Welcome, welcome back to another episode of MCFC, the Movie Cinema Film Club. I've got my good people here. Brittany, say hello. Yo. Ian, what's up? Sup. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we've got two great movies picked by uh, Ian this week. We've got Honey Boy and Peanut Butter Falcon. You know, we're going to get in those films and we'll let Ian take over in a second. But before we do, the way we start it is we talk about our dailies. The dailies. Yes. Um, who wants to go first? Anybody have a, a daily that's like poking, protruding out of their pants? I'll go. I'm so okay. excited. Brittany. About this one. Brittany. Yeah. Uh, my daily has evolved since I initially wrote it down. Uh, it started out as uh, sort of just the general theme being like knowing your worth and knowing when when to say no, which is something in general in life that I feel like I've only started getting better at in the past few years, maybe. Um, but I, I had a, a work opportunity that sounded very promising at first, but then when it got to the money discussion, I was like, no, this doesn't, like, this is not at all what I should be getting paid for this. And so I just sort of, you know, respectfully bowed out and, uh, to my surprise, and I, I would have been happy enough with that. And that was my daily when I initially wrote it down was just like, I said no. And I feel good about myself because I, you know, you shouldn't fucking work for nothing. Um, and to my surprise, the response to that from the client was, oh, okay, well, what do you want to get paid? And we renegotiated and I got way more money and i just kind of felt like hey. wow i mean how many people would have just said yes to the not so great deal and been like well it's something you know i just need work or i'm trying to get more experience in this and and i just felt really amazing that i i said no i stood up for myself and then i got exactly what i wanted in the end so whoop whoop nice yeah whoop whoop self-respect <laughs> what a wonderful thing what's your what's what's your daily uh, thanks for asking, Bo. Uh, it's not as exciting as get just hitting pay dirt like Brit. It's not a competition, Ian. It's well, uh, well. It's, it's always uh, a competition with Ian. Wait till you hear how much I'm getting paid for this job. Uh, so this next daily is worth two points. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, my daily, the highlight, kind of from my last week. Uh, this was great in terms of like sticking my neck out. Uh, trying to be brave and uh, risk embarrassment. A lot of things that, you know, I'm fearful of. For the last year or so, I had been studying Spanish using Duolingo, you know? And I was like, oh, look at me. I'm learning Spanish. But, you know, am I? I'm kind of just like passing levels in a video game. And I used to tell <laughs> my students when I taught a foreign language, that those who speak a language learn a language, those who don't, don't. And the reality was, I was like fine at reading Spanish and understanding, but I was never speaking it. So mm. I Googled kind of like Spanish meetups. <laughs> and on last oh, Monday... Oh, two different ways. <laughs> oh, it... No, this was, uh, this was really great. And I'll give them a plug. But... Uh, Basically, there's this intercambio, this like language exchange uh, that I logged into a Zoom last Monday 
uh, with people from Peru, Argentina, Spain, all around the world. And there was probably like 80 people on this. And the host would place you into private breakout rooms, like seven minutes English, seven minutes Spanish, shake it up. And it was really good. And I realized I can't speak Spanish at all. (laughs) But, (laughs) or just like my listening comprehension, it's not some, you know, learning tool like to a scucha smooch, you know, like very like slow down special. No, like these are people just like talking at you and you're like, yeah, no, I have no idea what you're saying right now. But (laughs) it was awesome. Again, I, and it was that moment of like for 50 minutes, my brain was working super intensely. And I have not felt that for 10 years, like, you know, since living in China of feeling overwhelmed, but also like, oh, this is real. Like this is real right now. And even if I use one word or one sentence, I just had a real authentic exchange with a native speaker. And because of all that, like then this guy who hosts the, you know, the, the, basically this meetup, uh, he does do private lessons and they were reasonably priced. And now I'm like meeting up with him once a week and kind of having like hour long Spanish conversations, but it's a thing where I'm like, well, I just feel like I improved astronomically in 40 minutes doing this than the year of me, like, quote unquote learning Spanish on this platform. That's not yeah. real. Simulation versus reality. So that was awesome. Mm-hmm. I it was humbling, but it was awesome. I love that. That's awesome. Muy bien. Ah, that's <laughs> that means refrigerator. Um <laughs> so Bo, what's your daily? <laughs> uh so my daily is is KS two Dia. My daily is just to make sure that everyone out there, this is, this is sort of like I had a good thing, but I wanted to remind the world, like be spontaneous and try weird things because, um, I saw a show that was coming to town. It was called everything is terrible. And it was going to be at the uh, locally world famous Casbah. And so I just bought the tickets. I just said, I don't even know what this fucking is. The description is weird, but I'm going to buy the tickets and then went to the show and quickly was like, Oh, there's like this weird cult following, almost like a Rocky horror picture show sort of vibe where people have been like asking other people, like, have you been to one of these? Oh, just you wait. It's going to get wild and all this stuff. And I was like, okay. Um, and then it ended up being this like really weird, funny show of like, found footage from the 80s and 90s of kids like it was it was called kids club with k's kids club and it was just this weird uh mix of live action like stage show with weird like costumes and then like found footage from old like the best way i could describe it is like religious like propaganda but it was trying to be like you know, it's trying to be this amazing thing. And it's like, like one of them was like this guy and it was so creepy, but he's like, I'm with you. I'm inside you. Do you feel me? And it was just like, what? And then it cut immediately to like a puppet show saying something that was absolutely absurd. And then another cut. And it was just like an hour and a half of that insanity. Right. And by all accounts, you'd be like, I wouldn't, this is kind of hard to sit through in certain ways, but it's ludicrous. But there was this energy in the room of like people doing weird shit. And I was like, man, don't forget to be spontaneous and go do things that you're not comfortable with or go to things that you're like, I don't even know what this is, but maybe. And so 
I just feel like if you can afford it, you know, it was only 15 or 20 bucks a person. So it was like, it wasn't a huge investment, but it ended up being like this thing. I was like, I'm glad I did it. And, and I don't know if I would do it again, but maybe, I don't know. It was like for 15 bucks, entertain me, entertain me with this uh, absurdity kind of thing, you know? So yeah. it was awesome. And I'm just, my message is like my daily really was like, go do weird things. Don't just go do things, but like, make sure you do weird things too. Cause like, that's really important. That's where the stories of our lives come from, you know, is like doing something that is kind of off your, your, your beaten path. So that's, that's amazing. And you know, just, uh, something I appreciate about both of you. I think, yeah, you both inspire me a bit to like always be down for adventure. I think that's something that you've said to me before. And I think I, that's what I love about both of you. Like you do crazy shit and <laughs> That yeah, makes for an interesting story of life. Like, you know, like yeah. uh, honestly, our, our motto, well, my motto, I, I think it's yours too, Brit, but like our motto is like DFA. We always just say DFA because yeah. it's, that's down for anything or down for adventure. Either one. It's just like either one down well, it, for it's, apples. It's yeah, yes. Down for apples could, They're delicious. I am down for apples. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really important to just, I always describe it as this, like if you're walking and you see a dim light, that's at the end of an alleyway, but it looks like suspiciously entertaining. Why not walk down the alleyway just to see what it is? I mean, hopefully it doesn't end up in a drug deal or your death, but like if you go down and there's something crazy, like an underground jazz bar, it's like, wow, holy shit. How'd we find this? You know? Mm -hmm. Well, look at us all blabbing away on stuff. That's not about this week's films. Typical Brit just can't just Typical always Brit. got a quote. Yeah. Always got talking. a story this time. Yeah. <laughs> she's just, she's just like Glenn Glary, Glenn Ross. She's like, always be talking. Come on. Calm always down. be chatting would actually be. Oh, oh okay. Okay. Oh, okay. ABC. All right. ABC. So this well, is Ian's week. So you're about to take it. I can feel it. You should go. Well, some people really like Shia LaBeouf. And some people really don't like Shia LaBeouf. So I decided, much like people are really ecstatic about Shark Week, I thought, let's do Shia Week. So this week, I picked two <laughs> movies starring, directed, or written by Shia, but featuring or including Shia LaBeouf. And I'm so excited to get into tonight's conversation. The two movies include 2019's Peanut Butter Falcon, uh, and also 2019's Honey Boy. But we're going to start with The Peanut Butter Falcon, uh, directed by Tyler Nilsson and Michael Schwartz, starring, you guessed it, Shia LaBeouf, and Zach Gotsigin, and Dakota Johnson. Uh, brief synopsis, kind of a buddy-buddy movie of an odd pairing of individuals, both on their journeys or both on the lamb. A bit of a modern-day Huckleberry Finn story of adventure. Uh, but an odd pairing of individuals who learn to get along and get through this adventure. I would love to start tonight's conversation with Britt. Britt. Yo. Take it away. I would love to. Um, I hope that my taking it away can reach half the level of fun and adventure that this film took us on. Yay. Um. I thought, you know, sometimes you just need that feel-good, buddy adventure that's just fun and easy, a little heartwarming, a little, like, maybe you kind of get, like, tensed up at times when things get a little, you know, a little crazy, but, like, 
in the end, this is just like that perfect adventure movie. It hits all the points. Um, thank fuck they actually cast a person with Down syndrome to play that role because, you know, uh, movies have way too long of a history of casting able-bodied actors in the role of a disabled person. And it's, you know, like, even if it works, it's just like, okay, but like, why not just actually get somebody who is in whatever situation you're portraying? It's not like those people aren't out there, you know? And I just think like uh, the guy uh, that played that role is just like, it couldn't have been more perfect. And I can't imagine that uh, an able-bodied person would have brought even a quarter of what he brought to this role. Um, So I'm very happy about that. I think uh, the acting, you know, across the board was great. Um, I really liked the way that, their relationship developed and I think it would have been easy for the story to kind of like portray Shia's character as like almost being like too harsh toward him in the beginning and kind of being mean to him but it didn't really ever feel like he was he just was sort of like like look what are you doing here like kind of like just like this annoying like why are you following me you know and the way that that slowly developed into them having this amazing relationship uh, I thought was really well done um my one complaint, if it can be a complaint, um, is that some of this, some of the story just felt like too easy and like just sort of, you know, uh, I, I, I'm not going to I'm not holding it against the, the film too much because like I feel like this happens a lot in this type of movie, but especially toward the end, um, the fact that this woman just. I guess abandons her entire life uh, because like, I don't know. It just seems like her, her decision to go from like, well, I'm kind of pensively following these guys. It does seem like maybe he's good to him. Oh, all right. Maybe to like, actually I've abandoned my job and my life and my home and anything that I had. And we're driving to Florida was like a little too convenient. And there were, you know, some of those developments uh, across the story, but overall it's like they didn't they didn't hamper my enjoyment of it too much i just kind of took it for what it is um but yeah overall i very much enjoyed this good pick ian well brit i you know i don't know if jupiter's in the northern hemisphere right now or the southern hemisphere i don't know but we have are, are like been synced up lately uh but <laughs> Bo, you're stirring like a cat on a hot tin roof and i <laughs> I want to hear what you got. Well, you know, I usually disagree with you guys. Um, that's 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 kind of on point. With like, I pick the good movies, and then you guys pick the other ones. <laughs> that's your but opinion, like, and it's uh, you know. I will. I mean, it's it, it kind of shows. Two against one. Uh, Two against one. Okay. Uh, always, always is what I'm saying. <laughs> but here we go. Let me talk about what I think about this film. I've got a couple things, a couple uh, feelings about it. I saw this film probably two or when it the year it came out, 2019, and uh, immediately it was one of my favorite films because I thought it was so good, so authentically good, and it didn't need to. There are these moments, you know, I don't need to repeat what Brittany's saying, but like there are these moments that are a little contrived, they're a little like too convenient, um, and I'll bring up a different part, which is. It's a little convenient that, um, you know, he can't swim and then he ties a rope to him and 
He's on the floaty thing, and they start swimming across this flat body of water. And then all of a sudden, the most enormous shrimping <laughs> boat yeah. that's ever been created on the history of history is barreling down on them. And it's like, yeah, but the boat never starts to slow down. And it's like, but that's what we need this moment where he almost gets caught up. Because we need to show that, like, Shia's ability to, like, turn up the juice a little bit and care for this character and that bonding experience of like uh, of something like you know what seems like imminent doom and then they get through it together you know yeah uh, that's important that's important so i have to i have to kind of be like well that happened it's kind of silly but like shot well and it it, it needed to happen in the movie there's a couple of moments like that sort of like when they run into the black uh blind person who's full of god it's like well you need to have that happen because you can't take my boat but you can take everything else in my yard to make a boat and so these things are kind of r ridiculous but yeah. it has to be shown like it was important that that he a, a god-fearing man a man who by all accounts people would say is a christian would say like well he sees the good in these people he sees the good in both of them and so we as a viewer then look at that and go like oh I, okay so they are good, inherently good, and so I want them to win. I want them to do this because God said it's okay, so now I can allow them to do that. Um, a couple things that I that, that stand out to me about this movie are the the amazing ability to use seasoned actors as small parts to that really mm. peppers in the understanding that like like Bruce Dern in the beginning, the, the old man that's in, that shares the room with him. It's like yeah. that he does such a great job and you don't need him throughout the entire movie. He just, he's just like, they put these really great actors that could be a bigger part, but they don't overuse them. Him and uh, Thomas Hayden church. I think that's his name, right? Thomas Hayden church. Yeah. Correct. He was awesome as uh, the swamp water or saltwater redneck. <laughs> um, those those parts were great, wonderfully written for those people. Um, and I just thought that this movie did a great job kind of piggybacking on Brittany, but they're like, I didn't think it felt preachy or it wasn't pandering. It didn't overuse the fact that like, oh, people look at this person like they're not as um, equal, you know, they didn't they didn't do too much of that. Everything that was talked about was almost from this emotional understanding of the character of Zach. Um, well, Zach is his real name, right? Uh, yes. What was his he, name? Well, that uh, his real name is Zach, and he plays Zach in the film. Oh, he plays Zach. Okay, that's yeah. why I got confused. Um, so I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that conversation they had on the boat when they had him stick his head under the water, <laughs> and then they were kind of like both giving their own opinions. And as a viewer, you go, "Yeah," to what he says, and then you you hear what she has to say, and you're like. Okay, yeah, that too. Oh, yeah, okay, it's conflicting, and we all have these opinions about this. Um, but what I was trying to get to with the, the, the kind of excitement of like the side characters or the character actors that played smaller parts, one thing that I, I did do a little research and read that uh, there was this authenticity of the other actors in the film too, like especially the guy this is this is why i think listen i want to i want to go straight in here and say i've always thought shia labeouf is an amazing actor and everything he's in i'm completely like i just glaze over and i'm focused on you know i'm just like wow this guy's amazing at what he's doing um but i read where shia labeouf got a job as uh as in fishing 
in pre-production of this film in that area, okay? What? So that he could authentically understand the what it is and when he's doing it, right? So this is great because the directors understood that, you know, Shai had this relationship and he understood. And they said, oh, you know what? Actually, Shia's boss should be played by that guy. And so they just asked him on the day of, hey, will you just read these lines? And so the guy that ends up like, I think he fires him and then like gives him a beer or something and says, yeah, yeah I can't do this. That's just, that's, that's a, just a fishing boat guy. He's just a guy. He, he taught him, they paid him. And, and, and the directors even said like, actually, we don't even think this guy owns a TV. He said he didn't own a TV. So this is a guy that doesn't, even, he's like just salt of the earth, kind of like fishing guy. And they said, hey, can you step in and do that? And that's why it felt authentic. It does feel that way, you know? Um, I was really impressed with that. Um, there's another thing that I wanted to speak on authenticity, and I don't know if it is, I'm just assuming, but there's a scene where Shia and Zach are talking to each other and they start slapping each other's faces lightly. And it's this really like charming moment. And I was like, I bet that was like, if that wasn't like improv or ad libbed or like I don't understand, I don't know, man, because that feels really good and and it feels like that's what like two brothers would do or two people that like are starting to like understand each other a little bit. It's just this weird moment that I found so absolutely charming. And to be honest, I wrote a, I wrote four words down here about this film, which is charming, emotional, fun, and heartfelt. Mm-hmm. And I just really feel like this this movie this movie that's about having a dream uh did such a good job of not making that a cheesy thing um i also read where zach has always wanted to be an actor his whole life and that the directors met him at like a camp where people could like creatives could meet you know uh people both with and without disabilities of any sort. And that Zach sort of like said, this is what I, I've always wanted to be an actor. This is my dream. And that the directors, the writer and director wrote this entire film for him. He was the only guy that was ever going to play. This is his role, which I thought was so interesting. Uh, and that he, Zach ad libbed this one line where the, it's a great line in the movie, but he goes, uh, what's rule number one? Like Shia was like, what's rule number one? And he, and he just said party. And that was not written for him. He just said it. He just said rule number one's party. And he's like, no, it's not party. And he like turns around. He's like, it's like stay, you know, keep up kind of thing. And I thought, like, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um I really liked the soundtrack of this film also. I thought the soundtrack was so good and it felt like it 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 fit the movie so well. And then last tidbit, and I'll leave you alone. Um, the last tidbit is that the, the director actually played the songs that they wanted to use over and over again there was one guy they paid to hold a beat uh, like a boom box and they would just play the song over and over again while they were getting set up and then when they went to film they turn off the music and then the music was supposed to be like their understanding of what this scene was supposed to feel like and i was like wow what an interesting idea who knows if it really worked but it felt like each time you're like seeing something like this music is perfect for this this scene i just thought it was uh the music was great the music Mm. was great all all around i really i mean like i said i i watched this in 2019 and i recommended it to a lot of people and then you know you recommend it so much and then you go like okay there are other movies and you kind of forget it so watching it again i uh already having seen it you know you don't expect this but like I got emotional in certain parts because there, there are certain places where I'm like, God damn, Zach's 
honest to God, like his acting, but his, his delivery is so good and so touching that like, it made me tear up a bit. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's amazing. I hope to see more of him, you know, I, uh, I'm glad, you know, I, for a moment there, I thought you were going to zag and say how much you thought it was cheesy and it was so ridiculous and this would never happen. No, I'm glad you both enjoyed it. I, I mean, this is a unanimous thing. I love this as well. And I've, you know, to your point, Britt, I was like, my notes are sometimes you just need, I want to feel good. Like I want to feel good mm -hmm. story. Like you kind of yeah. need that. And, um, and also to your point, Bo too. Yeah. Uh, one thing I loved and you, you described it really well of, you know, there are so many seasoned actors in this film, but at no point do you ever stray. Like this is Zach's film and he is a protagonist and there's never a moment where no one steals the movie from him in a way. Like, there's a great supporting cast of veterans, but like he's, he's leading this film and he's doing an incredible job. One thing I, I have two, I had too many points before I get into that about the realism of this again, and, and kind of like some backstory stuff I was reading, you know, there was such an authentic bond between Shia and Zach that like, and there was one scene in particular, like I was, I was kind of, I got choked up where they're on the make, I think it's they're on the makeshift raft, again, the Huckleberry Finn thing. Um, and Zach puts his arm, he like pats Shia on the back, and Shia's like, he's crying pretty intensely. And I saw him doing an interview about this. Now, right around this whole time, Shia has just gotten arrested for public intoxication. Like, they, he, he was falling apart in his real life, um, and he was in rehab, and all these people, all those like people around Zach were like, don't work with this guy. He's a jackass. And Zach's like, no, he's a nice guy. He's really nice to me kind of thing. But all these people were telling him not to work with him. Zach apparently says to Shia, like, don't ruin my one chance. Like, this is my chance of having a real movie. And like right before that gets shot and Shia, like, Shia is like crying to him, like as like person to person. It's like, I'm sorry, man. I'm, I'm messing up. I know it. I'm a mess up, you know, and what he didn't know was like the directors were just like rolling the camera and Zach just like truly authentically, like, I love you, man. Like I got you. Don't we're going to do this. And Shia breaks. And that scene wow. was like it. And that was like, Holy wow. Like, and they, they just happened to have the cameras rolling a bit, but Shia wow, talked and Shia has talked about like, this guy saved my life. Like he's like, Holy he was like, shit. I've been sober, sober for two years kind of thing, but like meeting Zach and they've done so many interviews, but like, you could see it in that scene. Like, and he's yeah. like, that was, that wasn't method shit. Like he's like, I was pouring my heart out to this guy and he just like lent a, a hand of comfort. Like, I love you. I don't care. Like what people say about you. Like we're going to do this movie. And I was wow. like, Oh my God. Cause you could see it on that rap. Like that wasn't like a fake, like Zach was like, yeah. So anyway, that being said, yeah. again, I love their dynamic. I loved what the directors got out of that, but just how, how real it felt. But the two quick notes I want to just add to everything y'all talked about, why I, I love this movie so much. Two things. Um, I think two themes that were present were one was just play, play and adventure. Like mm -hmm. those scenes of them carving up the watermelons and like fighting and boxing <laughs> and the food fights and everything that they were doing that was created by them these memories these experiences 
that are not being consumed, you know, and again, I'm kind of pivoting on my own thoughts of like kind of some sadness I feel sometimes when, you know, you just like, you know, people just suck up whatever TikTok video or whatever and just like mindlessly go through things that create entertainment, but you're not creating that versus we are creating these experiences. We are creating a life and there's something so beautiful about it. Like from all of our own personal lives, like for y'all, like going to this show or doing this adventurous thing, like you're participating in this, but you're like also adding to it. And I think so much is like really lost of that disconnect from any tool that just gives it to you versus let's be creative. Let's be imaginative. Let's play. And I know that's something, yeah. Bo, you talked about when Kage was in town of like, just play, just play. Like we all like kind of lost that. And I think w- with Dakota Johnson, that character, which I agree, it is unbelievable that she's like, <laughs> yeah, but like, I'll throw away my life and all these things um, to be with these people. But like, she represented that person that got that office job and that 401k and that health insurance fund all the things that create safety which are important but that she lost that disconnect with like real joy innocent joy and i thought they did such an amazing job of like exemplifying that and like what it means to be alive you know and oh i mean that beach scene where they're like throwing down the moonshine and just like <laughs> and and the other other thing that i wanted to comment that you brought up Bo, about you know the scene where again which I thought was really powerful where he's dunking his head under the water, like, hold your breath, hold your breath. And Shia, you know, he uses the R word, you know, uh, I won't use it, but whatever. Uh, and she's like, I, I would never use that word, but he's like, you're treating him that way. And I thought that was yeah. so powerful. And I, the other thing I just thought that this movie was really inspiring was just about limitations and the way we all limit ourselves, whether that's with ableism, whether that's in any part of our life. And one thing that came to mind years ago, I remember hearing a really amazing story on like radio lab about this blind guy who they call like Batman. You probably have heard this story, but he like, I've he, heard it. Yeah. He like rides a bicycle. He goes hiking. He's tra- he is, he was born blind. He's like never seen. And he, he, they call him the Batman. And he like, he, he interacts with space like a bat with echolocation. He like, he like clicks like a bat, but the guy is like in like a city street riding a bicycle. Like, you would never know he's blind. And, but he talks about like when I was growing up, everyone's like, you're blind. You can't do that. Don't walk across. Don't go to the street. Don't check the mail. Don't do these things. And he's like, you can do if you have, if you set your mind to it. And that's why, again, I know, I agree with you, Britt. There's so many moments that are a little too easy, a little too cheesy. But you know what? I thought too, like the whole movie is fantastical. Like the whole movie, sure. it, like it was consistently like, yeah, of course he can't hoist this guy up over his head. But the entire thing is, yeah, I mean, the boat scene, there's so many scenes that like are a little too unbelievable. But it was still in the realm of, you know, it, 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 it felt like a, kind of like a, I think like uh, Gabriel, there's this one author that like magic surrealism kind of thing. Like it felt like we are intending to, it was intentional. It was intentionally sure. trying to be surreal and like fantastical. So, um, I, but I really love that. Like Shia's scene to him, like if you got like, it's right here. If you got heart, no one's going to stop you. And I, I mean, I don't know. I, I loved Zach. I love that message for anyone. 
of you tell yourself you can't do something, you're not going to do it. You tell yourself you're going to go I meet the saltwater redneck. You're going to go meet saltwater redneck. <laughs> I, I, I would, I would highly, I, I would challenge anyone to watch this movie and not find it to be heartwarming. I think if somebody yeah. doesn't like this film, I'd be, I'd, I would really, I really love to hear why, because it's like, it does do so many things right. If you don't like Shia LaBeouf, that's okay. You're still going to like this movie. If you don't, if you don't like that, that idea, you know, as you were talking right now, Ian, I was thinking about any movie that ever had a, a moment where there's a car stuck on railroad tracks. Right. And, but as a movie watcher, you don't hear anything. And it's like, Oh, the car broke down. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, wow. And it like blasts the fucking, it's like, you didn't hear that or see that train coming for the last four minutes. That's impossible. But movie making isn't reality and so some of these things that we look at and go like all right is that believable it's like yeah it needs to happen this way because if you if you saw the train coming for four minutes that same surprise in in intensity wouldn't exist and and that wouldn't make the movie better you know i that's that's just one example but i think that's why i think this movie works great is like the 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 moment where the shrimp boat is coming it's like yeah in reality, you would see that boat coming for a long time, yeah. Yeah. but it needs to happen in this way where it's like, uh oh, uh, suspense all of a sudden out of nowhere. It's like you have to have that, you know? Yeah. One, the only other comment I'll quickly make, and I want to know what y'all rated this picture, but uh, to that point of, you know, kind of classic film and suspense and magic, I loved Zach's line of, are you a good guy or a bad guy? And I thought that was also a really like, cause life obviously isn't that so simple, but in the wrestling world, in the movie world, a better story is you got a good guy and you got a bad guy. We want to root for the good guy. We want to root against the bad guys. And I like, and again, I don't know if that was ad-libbed for Zach, but that's such, that was such an amazing line. And just also see Shia's reaction of like, I don't, I don't know that, <laughs> you know? And he's like, well, I think you're a good guy. I was like, Oh yeah. You're yeah, I love you guys. <laughs> but Brittany, final thoughts or what did you rate this picture? Um, I don't think I have any final thoughts other than I'm really glad I watched this. Um, and my rating is a firm 8.5. Ooh. Hell yeah. Bo? <laughs> You know, I got a I got a soft spot in my in my world for this film. It's one of those things that every in, in the two times I've watched it, it made me feel a special something about the excitement of of going for your dreams, right? Because that's what this is about. This is about having a dream and going for it. It doesn't matter who you are and what limitations that you personally think that you have and why you can't achieve it. It's about saying like. Yeah, I have that thing. I'm not going to uh, uh, act like I don't have this limitation, but I'm still going to get the dream. And and I think that message is something that gets lost a lot in, in modern day. It's all about like everyone's either uh, poor or a billionaire. And, and that sucks because that's what we see. Um, because of that, this film really holds a special place in my cold, dead heart. And that's why I gave this film a nine. Wow. Awesome. I, I highly, I, I, hi I highly, I highly recommend this film to every living person on the planet. And if you can't find a place where you enjoy it, I think maybe cinema movies film are not for you. Wow. Mm. 
Wow. So heartfelt, but then so cold. Yeah. So so aggressive. (laughs) So aggressively, you're aggressively heartfelt, though. Hey, man. Uh, Hey, man. Listen, it's an enigma. I'm I'm a I'm I'm a a confusing person, and I get that. I get that. But this gets a nine. So fuck you, Ian. Fuck you. Well. Um, well, maybe you'll, you're going to kick me out of this club after I give you this rating. No, I, oh boy, oh no, boy. like Brit, I gave this an 8.5, a very strong 8.5. I really nice. enjoyed this. Um, again, sometimes not every movie needs to be, uh, cerebral or, you know, dramatic or intense. I mean, sometimes you want to feel good. You want to have hope for humanity and uh, you want to be a good guy. So I love this movie. I'm glad y'all enjoyed it too. And congrats, Peanut Butter Falcon and great job, Zach Rogginson and the entire cast. Great job by you. Let's, um, (laughs) but let's do a little trivia. Are y'all ready for some trivia time? Oh, it's trivia time already. Wow. Time flies. Time flies when you love a thing. Well, (laughs) I am glad you loved this thing, this peanut butter falcon. I have two questions relating to the movie. Uh, remember, first one to raise their hand and answer correctly. This first question, you get one point. Good luck, Brit. Good luck, Bo. Are you ready for your Thanks first question? Thanks so much. Yes, I'm and ready. thank you for saying my name first. I'm glad you believe in me. I believe in <clears> you. <throat> I believe in God. Uh, t- <laughs> Tenacious D, 2002, anyone, anybody, anybody. We're old. No, no, uh, no. it's okay. <laughs> So, in The Peanut Butter Falcon was the highest grossing independent film for 2019. It was a surprise hit in the box office. Now, you might be asking yourself, how are we defining independent film? In essence, any movie that was not produced by a major Hollywood studio. Can either of you tell me which early 2000s film, which was largely panned by critics, specifically for its historical inaccuracy is the highest grossing independent film of all time. Holy shit. Bo. You, I just want to ask you one quick question. Can you repeat the, the year, or the, what era you wanted? Early uh, 2000s? So it's an early 2000s film. Oh, okay. That is the highest grossing independent film of all time. Now remember, it was not produced by a major Hollywood studio. Bo. I'm going to answer this. I, 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 I just can't remember what year it was made. I think I'm going too late, but was it Life is Beautiful? Whoa, no. I believe that was I could 1998. See how that, but I, okay, that's what I, I thought too, but I was like, maybe I'm wrong. So, but I could feel like how I could feel like critics could think that's like inaccurate historically. Okay, anyway. Yeah. Good, I good guess. guess. In, good guess. Good guess. Britt, do you want to take. Gosh, a I mean, stab I'm, in the dark. I'm gonna stab, but it's very much in the dark because, like, I know that this isn't the case, and I don't even know if it was truly independent. But <laughs> Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> Ooh, incorrect. <laughs> Close Both year. Historically and realistically inaccurate. <laughs> Are you any final guesses? Not for any points, but just out of curiosity. <laughs> No, you stumped no. me hard. It was 2004. Mel Gibson, The Passion of the Christ. Oh! 
Well, I would never have thought of that as an independent film. He yeah, sold, but I guess, he he solely funded it. He spent thirty million dollars of, of yeah. his own money, yeah, it, but I it made six hundred and twenty million dollars. Wow. No, that's why he can be anti-Semitic every... and just like never work again. He's fine. Oh, wow. And I, I, I recognize that you probably would not have thought of that as an indie film. And that's why I said not produced mm-hmm. by a major Hollywood studio. But yes, apparently it essentially netted $580 million. But he That's paid... pretty remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. Have either of you ever yeah. seen it? Yeah, I've no. seen it. You have. No. Okay. I have not seen it either, but uh, anyway. Oh, you really? Oh, no. you can watch that or you can look up Passion of the Christ Benny Hill edition <laughs> yes. on YouTube and I I promise you, I promise you it's a much better experience um, that and I something I send seen. all my friends on Easter. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, no, I didn't see it solely because I had, you know, 12 years of the Passion of the Christ education in school and I didn't feel like I needed anymore. But Well, that's right. You went to Catholic school. So. Yeah. <laughs> you, had, you had Mel Gibson as a teacher for so many exactly. years. Um, <laughs> well, um, fun fact, listeners, Britt went to Catholic school. And Bo loves Benny Hill. So who is ready for question number two? Me. I am. That's the spirit. For two <laughs> points. Question number two, also relating to the Peanut Butter Falcon. The final wrestling match between Zack and Sam was officiated by which former WWE or WWF wrestler whose 1999 autobio, Have a Nice Day, landed the number one spot on the New York Times bestseller list. Bo with a quick hand. You're asking for the person who officiated the match or who was wrestling against Jake? Officiating the match. You, you know why I asked that, right? I do. I see you. I see you. Um, it, 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 could it have been uh, a man by the name of Mick Foley? That is a correct answer. Congratulations. I would have also accepted Mankind. Mankind. Dude Jack, love. Cact- Cactus <laughs> Jack. Cactus Jack. Yeah. Yeah, you don't fuck with me with WWE. I got wow. you, boy. Did you, I got know, you. did you know that was Mick Foley when you were watching the film? Of course. I didn't There's know. There's a great documentary. There's a great documentary on him. I think he was trying to be Santa Claus. Isn't that correct? He does this whole documentary about being Santa Claus. Isn't that him? Really? I don't. I didn't strike I, you I noticed, for a wrestling fan. I, I was. I thought. Like, I noticed. Well, I noticed the ear that was like uh, fucked up. And, uh, and, and then I was like, wait, this is a real wrestler. And I knew the guy that he was actually wrestling. If you don't know this, the guy that Jake wrestles in the end, that's kind of like a dick and like tries to take advantage of him. He's like, no, I'm a wrestler. And you that's Jake, the snake Roberts, right? Jake, the snake. Yeah. Oh, um, and so I grew up with a WWF. It was called at that time. And now it's called a WWE because sure. there was that whole thing. But like, yeah, Mick Foley is him. And he went by several names. Cactus Jack, dude, uh, wait, dude, love, dude, love and man, hey, uh, hey, mankind. Hey, hey. <laughs> well, uh, congrats, Bo, on getting the second trivia question. Correct. And thanks, dad. No problem. I'm very proud of you. I'm proud of you too, Shia. Are you a hero or a villain? I'm going to make a movie about you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, as you know, this is Shia Week, and our second movie for discussion tonight is 2019's Honey Boy, directed by 
Alma Har-El, starring Shia LaBeouf, Noah Jupe, some other people like... Lucas Hedges. Lucas and Hedges and FKA Twigs. And brief synopsis, um, essentially, Shia LaBeouf wrote this script while in rehab about his childhood and what he experienced growing up with an alcoholic father. Mm-hmm. Bo, yes. I would love you to start tonight's discussion of Honey Boy. Thanks for picking me this time. It, it seems like you picked her and then you picked me. Is this a pattern? Um, I want to say, first off, that I really appreciated this movie's confrontational, uh, I guess, approach about not only the hardships of being a father, but the vulnerability of being a father and a son. And I thought this movie did that well. Um, I thought this movie was tightly acted. I mean, everybody in, in this movie was really good at what they were doing. Um, and I think to talk about a story of fatherhood or, or, or maybe if it's about being a son, um, and the effects of what that means and how we reflect on our own trauma on others, you know, that's a, that's a tough movie to make. It really is. Um, and I think it's pretty aspirational for Shia LaBeouf to actually write this film. Okay, I'm about, I was about to say but, but I don't mean but necessarily. Um, uh, no, no. I just feel like this. this honey bow. It, it's sad. Honey bow. No, no. <laughs> I just feel like this movie, it's sad, but honest. And, and really, I feel like it, was, it ended up being, uh, in, in some sick way, a love letter to the truth that as hard as it is to be a good parent and a role model, uh, it can be like a little depressing, but that there's this, like, like I said, there's this love letter, which is like, even a little bit of trying is trying. And it's kind of sick. It's kind of sick. I think this movie is, does a good job of showing like how, how sick, love can be sometimes Hmm. Um, especially from a father to a son or from a parent who doesn't know what they're doing or has got their own garbage they're they're carrying their own weight and then they're trying to raise a child and give them the best uh, setup but the truth is that everyone brings their own shit to the table and that can be really destructive but it seems like and, and i say this because the end credits have uh, promising and nostalgic pictures of the father. It seems like what Shia is doing, what Shia is trying to say is like, yeah, it's not perfect. It's fucked up. But like, I still love my father hmm. and, and, and he fucked me up. But it's like, and, and to me, it's like, I don't know that I've seen that before. I don't know that I've seen this thing. It's like, this relationship is really ugly and disgusting. And by all accounts, as an outsider, you would say this is so not healthy in every way but then he still ends the film with this idea that like i love my dad and 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 look at him in all his glory he Hmm. fucked me up but like i still love him which i thought was really interesting 
a couple of things that I really uh, was impressed by this movie is a lot of times people try to sell, tell stories over several generations or several you know decades, um, but this film did a good job of mirroring in those uh, those decades difference. So you've got like uh, him as a young boy sharing a room with his father, and then later he's in uh, rehab sharing a room with this other person sort of knowing that like this is so similar looking over and being like I still have to share a room with this hmm. person and then him in the pool always following sol solace in, in the pool at his motel in this shitty motel but then in rehab he's going in the pool and he feels so uncomfortable with it because he's like i don't want to be here i don't want to be in this pool this reminds me of my entire childhood and you think it's just like we're in the pool and we're going to move through this moment emotionally but he was going through something else which i thought was a really interesting thing um i wrote down a quote i don't usually do quotes at all but uh sheila o'malley from RogerEbert.com, which is you know a great like kind of like middle point for reviews uh she wrote sometimes it's not clear if what's happening is real a memory a nightmare or a scene from one of otis's movies this is what trauma can do how flashbacks can operate and then she goes on to say the performances the performance is so good so in the trenches it feels like it's an act of channeling rather than mimicry or even imitation and i i felt that I felt mm. that. And that's why I wrote these words down because like, I didn't know if this was like, at some point I was like, is this a movie or is this him just like working through therapy? Because this feels like Shia LaBeouf working through his trauma, his issues with his own father. And that it was more that than it was actually a solid uh, movie through and through. Mm. Um. I want to. I, I kind of want to like combat you a little bit, uh, but I don't know what you're gonna say. So I want to know what you have to say because I kind of feel like I have my own opinion about this, and I kind of feel like maybe you guys are opposing me a little bit. So surprise me. Oh, I. I mean, I, I, now I just feel confused because I. <laughs> I think I pretty much agreed with everything you were saying so far, but then you then you kind of. I feel like you gave us a cliffhanger. Of like, this feels more like therapy, but you don't know if that makes it a complete movie. So now I'm like, I'm preparing myself for your 4.5 rating. Um, but <laughs> I, I think uh, the acting across the board was amazing in this, um, especially that kid. Like, holy fuck. I mean, maybe, Noah you know, Jew. Yeah. maybe in the same way that Shia was kind of channeling his experience to play the father role, maybe this child who, you know, clearly he's a child actor, he's acting in this film, maybe he has some personal things that he was sort of drawing upon. I don't know, but he just felt so natural and convincing in this role, um, which made it all the more hard to watch when it was, you know, when we were in those scenes that were fucked up. Um, but I thought this film did a really good job of displaying kind of in a different way um but we we talked about this in the movie boy somewhat uh the the idea of this father who's almost still a child himself and i think that mm. in boy maybe that was more related to age and somewhat like his you know his circumstances but i feel like in this it seems more it's just that this man you know is battling 
addiction and doesn't know how to deal with his emotions. And there's all this anger and these other things that are making him ill-equipped to really provide for his son. But I thought it did an amazing job for both child and father of showing that like there is this sort of common ground of like equal parts almost of like love and anger and resentment and all of these things. And there are all these moments where it'll be like, you know, the son is trying to give or receive love and it's being met with anger and resentment from the father and vice versa. And just like that battle all throughout the film, I thought was like really amazingly displayed and really, I I was just like enthralled watching that battle between them all throughout the film. Um, And Bo mentioned, you know, this idea of like, is it reality? Is it a daydream? Is it, the movie i really enjoyed that as well because especially when it comes to the idea of childhood memories i mean even just memories in general but especially childhood ones it's like it does get confusing what is you know what is your actual memory what is reality and what is sort of you sort of you know wishing a thing was a certain way or trying to forget that a thing was a certain way like it does get fuzzy and i really liked the way that it um dealt with that um, I also really was impressed by the fact that this movie doesn't feel like self-pitying at all. And maybe mm. part of that is the fact that Shia was playing his father, because I think that it would be really easy if you were someone who had, uh, you know, a childhood that landed you being diagnosed with PTSD eventually, um, to, yeah. to, to make a film about that, that doesn't feel like, no. Oh, this was hard, you know, like it, it, I didn't feel that way at all. It felt like just a really honest portrayal and whether or not all of these specific things happen or not, it just felt very earnest and honest in the way that all of this madness that this child experienced uh, was portrayed. Um, my, my one thing that didn't totally work for me was like some of the scenes from 2005 as opposed to like the 1995 stuff to me across the board felt like very real and raw and honest like some of the 2005 stuff just like I almost can't even put into words why maybe it was the actor or maybe it was just the way it was written I don't know but like some of it just felt a little eh to me like I just didn't totally buy it um Mm. I, I still very much enjoyed it overall uh, I just think that, you know, if we're, we're sort of being put in a position to compare these two times and the, and the parallels of these two times. And I just kind of felt like all the 95 stuff worked for me really well. And some of the 2005 stuff, I was just kind of like, eh, all right. Um, it's but, the, it's the lesser of the two stories. Yeah. I would agree sure. that it's like, it should be the minor part of this yeah but yeah i don't think i don't think that actor and i don't think the actor got the same amount of like like juicy story right because that trauma isn't happening at the time at that time you're you're seeing the backlash of that trauma and it's not as exciting it's not as like uh like that that child his name uh what was it noah jupe noah jupe yeah noah jupe does such a great job and has all the morsels, all the all the good juicy parts, right? Sure. And then by the time you get old, you got a, a guy who's reacting to his past, which is less juicy. And I feel like 
I thought the same thing, but I was like, then I, I thought like, he just doesn't have the, uh, the same amount of like story here that he can react to because, because he's acting alone. He's acting, he's almost yeah, reacting mostly. to everyone around him as opposed to like having the moment happen real time. He has to like bring that up. So yeah, yeah I, I, I agree with you though. But you, you know, you never know, sorry to also interrupt, but like, you who knows what they were they filmed and that kid is just so goddamn good and like that like 14 year old kid yeah is incredible yeah. and maybe just like it's when the true. director and crew are reviewing all the film they're like yeah all that stuff that we shot of him on the transformers set being a maniac and like having sex with like hot babes like yeah that's that's not that great but this kid is <laughs> anyway. i mean i almost Sorry, kind yeah, of wish true. that I feel like there would have been a way to still have the 2005 stuff there as like sort of, yeah, the reaction to all of these things that happened when he was younger, but just, I don't know, sort of in the same way that some, some movies have flashbacks in order to inform what's happening currently, like kind of the reverse of that, you know, where it's like, this all happened to him Mm. as a child. And now this is how it's, here's like a glimpse into how this is affecting him currently but like let's focus on the past i almost feel like that would have been a better film but it's a little nitpicky but you know that was no but that that i agree with i I think we're all in agreement that 2005 section or that period is just not as strong sure um i think the director alma harrell is awesome and i think she made a lot of interesting choices of this film and um if you haven't seen so she collaborated with shia on this Sigur Ross mu- music video. And if you haven't seen it, please do Google that right now. It's on Vimeo, oh. but like, uh, like 10 years ago, they did a music video together. It's like a 10 minute short film. Uh, it's awesome. But, uh, I, you know, I liked a lot of the choices she made. Um, I think that the one main, a couple things that jumped out, in all, one of, uh, I think, Britt, you mentioned, like, the honesty of this story is, uh, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, basically, and I think Shia has done interviews about it where he's felt self-conscious or it's, like, it's a bit uh, almost voyeuristic of telling this story, mm. but this is the only story that he could tell, <laughs> you know, like, no one else can tell. Right. And it, and it was right. so particular. It was so specific. You know, those childhood memories, those childhood experiences, like the big brother who shows up and it gets like thrown in the pool. Like <laughs> now I, w- I admit that I went full rabbit hole on like fact checking stuff. Um, you know, Shia's actual father has been interviewed about this <laughs> and he's like, yeah, he's like, I know. he's like, a lot of it's true, <laughs> but really? Yeah. He's like, I, he's like, I never hit him. Cause there's a scene where, you know, yeah, uh, where he slaps him or whatever, like, uh, you know, you can hit your boss once or something like that. Uh, oh yeah. But he's like, no, he's like, I never hit my son. He's like, I did choke him once or whatever. He's like, I did hold him down his dad. But you know, I, I, I think it's, it's fascinating to your point, Bo, of like the cyclical nature of trauma, the trauma, the trauma, the trauma, the trauma that just keeps going. And I think the film you know, I think you expected maybe both of us to disagree with you, but I, I'm in an agreement of he does such a really good job of telling a story that is you evoke sympathy and it's heartbreaking, but also 
there's compassion. And I think that's also a theme of this film is like, this guy was like one of the worst dads you could possibly be in terms of like being a father figure. And I don't hate him. Right. It's, it's, yeah. there's that, you know, honestly, one thing that jumped out to me was like, it was reminiscent of whiplash of that figure mm. in your life. That's like really abusive, but is also yeah, getting the, is also getting the best out of you. And there are those like small scenes where he's like, Oh, when you're on even Stevens, like, mm, go big, go big, be that clown, be bigger, be more animated, be like more reckless, like bigger, bigger, and like getting the most out of his son who had like, he was a star young actor, right? We kind of forget that Shia was this like, even though he was, he was a TV star as a 14 year old and, um, which probably wouldn't have happened if not for his father's feedback and input. Right. And, you know, I, I think Shia is, does a really good job of not overlooking that, but a couple things that I just want to touch upon on a very personal note. And I really enjoyed this picture. It's the second time I've said that tonight, uh, picture I'm (laughs) turning 75 next week, everyone. Um, moving pictures, (laughs) uh, get the reels going, set it all up. Uh, uh, I, you know, again, I, I often, I've said this in the past, but I love any piece of art that evokes, that, that generates a very strong emotional reaction without being like shocking or grotesque or anything like that. And there was a couple scenes, one in particular, where the young Shia is facilitating between the parents on the phone and was turning into mom and turning into dad. And I openly wept. I openly wept. That's a tough scene. That's a tough scene. Too heavy about my own life. (laughs) Um, But that character talks about like, um, you know, he's in therapy. Like I've always acted. I don't know how to not act. And I, I know it's going to get a little heavy and awkward. Um, when Jesus Christ, it's just movie cinema film club. Just calm down. I'm just kidding. Uh, tell us. No, just that it's thera- when it's, it's therapy, but no, but I, when uh, I experience something like a degree of something uncomfortable or, um, I have to respond to something that like makes me uncomfortable. I like chuckle and I like immediately make a joke, right? Like it's always like, ah, no, yeah, yeah, whatever. Why, you know, don't worry about it, right? It's like, it's the last line of defense before actually getting at a heart of something real. It's like, I can always laugh about it. You know, I can always laugh about this like pretty awful or just really difficult situation from the past or whatever. I just laugh it off. Um, and I thought about that, like, that just contributed to my own personal when he's like, I'm always acting. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't know how to not act. Um, so I, I just, it was something that I thought was, it resonated very deeply with me, but you know, um, I thought this was a really raw story that I really admire someone sharing with the world. And however much it, there might've been some embellishments you know, I started this episode saying, you know, some people love Shia LaBeouf, some people hate him. I admit that mm. I personally oscillated back and forth because at times I really thought, you know, him outside of film was kind of a jackass at times. But I, I left see. watch, I left 
this experience having a tremendous amount of respect for him as a creator, uh, as a creative person, and um, you know, uh, I, I I recommend this film to a lot of people. Um, I, I yeah, I think I think it's a again, it's a story only he can tell. So for sure, very true. Any other thoughts or comments before we rate Honey Boy? Um, one moment I wanted to, I just wrote this down, but like one moment that I uh, was kind of, I thought was really charming was the moment where the young Noah Jupe and FKA Twigs uh, pantomime this like ah, baseball yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was such a, uh, such an amazing, charming like moment. And uh, you know, I haven't seen FKA Twigs in anything else, to be honest. I know she's a dancer. I know I've seen her in commercials and I've seen her dance and stuff. I know that she and Shia LaBeouf got into a relationship and then that ended really horribly. And there's like all this stuff going on, which makes me sad because I feel like this movie is kind of playing into that moment of, uh, that like this is the worst that ever happened to me. So now I'm going to get out of it. I'm going to, I've, I've learned from this thing. I'm moving forward, but it doesn't seem like that's entirely true. You know, I think, I think that what, what ends up happening is like, we carry these things that have affected us greatly onto the next and the next and the next and the next thing. And as much as we can grow, we still carry those things on. You want to say something, Ian? I do. Uh, cause it, and I'm going to just jump on this cause it was kind of an elephant in the room that I had been thinking about. And um, it's kind of like, you know, these stories re revisiting the Peanut Butter Falcon, you have this like track of like Shia's on this upward trajectory, like the person Shia LaBeouf. And like things are going well. He's in rehab, he's sober, all this stuff. And yeah, uh, very recently, FKA Twigs has filed, you know, a civil lawsuit against him for sexual abuse. Um, or emotional yeah, abuse uh, and that's like getting that's... resolved in the courts right now and i don't think we should overlook that and it's something that i have thought a lot about and shia has acknowledged you know these accusations he doesn't deny them and it's kind of uh you know uh the accusations that i haven't gone through the actual you know lawsuits or anything like that or read it but the brief understanding i have is um very manipulative partner, abusive a partner, emotionally, you know. Uh, and uh, he, you know, he kind of acknowledges these accusations. Uh, yeah. I say all that, uh, and I'm not going to weigh in on whether or not someone... You're not? Uh, but I what's think... All this, what's all this lead in then? What the fuck? <laughs> well, I, I can't imagine, because, you know, I, I almost like end this. There's a, this is a topic of conversation you know, the three of us have had over whether or not it's recorded or not of that separation of the creative output or the art or the, mm -hmm. the work versus the person. And is that a difficult thing that one can separate? And when, yeah, it seems like, you know, these, both these stories are almost like he's getting his life together, everyone. Like it's a happy ending and everything's good. And then maybe he's still a person with their struggles, trauma and not, well, are you, I are think, you a good guy or a bad guy? And maybe it's, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think and the it, truth is this, I think the truth is it's not as easy as a, an answer to say, are you a good guy or a bad guy? It's right. saying like, am I a good guy that does bad things? Probably. 
Like, I think we would all associate ourselves with that, which is like, have you ever done a bad thing and go, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. Like, that's not who I want to be known as. And I think it, it really says a lot. Like, of course, when you watch these movies, you don't know the background. But when you research any of the background on this, it's like Shia LaBeouf is clearly a tormented person who has had a horrible upbringing and is now dealing with that constantly. And, and, and if anything... If anything, I think that what we should carry from this is like your words mean things. And so like when you're a parent or a friend or a yeah. person in the public and you do and act a certain way, there are effects of that that you may may never understand. But the truth is like, especially as a parent, like that relationship between in Honey Boy, especially is like the, the relationship between the parent and the child is like, yeah, you can say like, well, it's not perfect, but he tried his best. It's like, yeah, but the, the effect of that is like, now Shia is fucked up and he's constantly dealing with shit. And then we can easily look at Shia's actions and be like, oh, he got picked up for DUI again. It's like, he's dealing with a massive amount of stress and, and, and expectation from all things around him. And that would be hard for anybody. But then on top of that, his upbringing was fucking toxic in every way. One thing that never got really touched in this movie is like, where's mom and what's mom doing? And why is mom allowing son to do this? And is she not in a good place either? It wasn't about the story wasn't about that, but I kept thinking like, wait, you know how crazy and toxic this man is, but like, why are you letting your son? Why, why, why is that? Okay. Why, why is that? Okay. You know, uh, my, you know, my understanding is, you know, his parents were kind of hippy dippies and uh mom was kind of in the picture and was but also saw that dad had him on a track in Hollywood and like, all right, you know. <laughs> and I feel like yeah, probably maybe, she maybe. was happy to just collect those checks and be like, Yep, you got this. Cool. I mean, that's so sad though, because like I think the the trauma that was created in him and listen, I, I actually want I, I I'm a huge Shia LaBeouf like supporter in the sense of like I think his work is great. I think he's a great actor. Who he is as a person, I, I can't I can't stand behind in any way. I don't know. I don't know. I don't right. know him. But I feel bad that he seems to be going through a lot of garbage that is, everyone has given him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, no. I, I'm not taking away any of the, the, the confrontations he's had with other people. You know, we've talked about FKA Twigs, but it's like, I don't, I don't want I can't talk yeah. about that. I don't well, know. And my only comment on that is I just, I guess I thought, well, obviously I'm not here to be judge or jury of like whether he's guilty or not of anything criminal or anything. But I was like, Oh, it's gotta be weird. If you are that person, FKA twigs, I think it's weird when someone's a celebrity and famous. And so it's like, if it was just your ex boyfriend or ex lover that like, yeah, he was kind of shitty and you just moved on in life. Like that's one thing, but then to be like, to see that person then praised and idolized and the whole celebrity mm. culture of like, we love you Shia. And you're like, but he's kind of mean, you know, right? Like, it's just a different, I just thought like, that's gotta be a weird experience. That's all of, again, not weighing in on their personal relationship, nor should we, but that's another whole right. subject of like, why For do sure. we care sure. so much about celebrities and like, yeah. and I you're an actor. That yeah, makes right. it it's still weird. So weird is that like, you know, domestic violence and, and every shade of that, be it emotional or physical or whatever, is like, 
That shit happens all the time, every day, in every place, in all kinds of relationships, all over the world. But we don't talk about those instances of it. We talk about it when it's Shia LaBeouf and FK Twigs, and none of us were there, yet the fact that whatever happened between them happened, it's like, oh, well, now we're all talking about this and we're all supposed to weigh in. It's like, but that, like, we can't have any opinion on this. We weren't there. Like, and even if it was a situation where, like, you know, she comes out and she's like, oh, he did this, and he's like, yeah, actually, I did do that. I fucked up, which it kind of sounds like, without me researching this fully, it's like, that kind of sounds like that's what happened. But like, even then it's like, does that say anything about his acting in honey boy? Like, <laughs> no, right. it's like, that's fucking awful. No matter how it happens or who it happens to. But like, yeah, I just think it's kind of weird that this, you know, the society that we live in, we've all just decided that when something like that does it, happen between names that we know, it's like, Oh, now we're all supposed to talk about this. We're all supposed to have an opinion, but like, I just think sure. these things these things should kind of be separate. But, uh, but well, I hear I, I hear that I I, I hear yeah it it is impossible to make it separate because if I were to say hey can you do a can you do a gallery walkthrough and look at this art and tell me how you feel about this art it, it's by this guy named Adolf Hitler it, you'd be <laughs> like ah that's gonna be this gonna be really hard for me to like right. evaluate his artwork because he was an artist before and it's like. I use that as an example, knowing that everyone uses the Adolf Hitler thing. But I'm just saying, like, in this example, it's like he's an artist. Do we look at his art and then say, like, forget who he is as a person, but let's look at his art. You're like, I think you'd have a hard time doing that, you know? Sure. But that's also where I I struggle when this conversation comes up these days is like, I feel like there should be a way for you to say, like, look, Adolf Hitler, he went on to do some awful thing so maybe let's not put his art in a gallery anymore let's not let's not support him let's not give him our money right but then that shouldn't preclude you from being able to say even though apparently this wasn't the case but like you should still be able to say like actually this painting of his was really good he's a horrible person he did horrible things but like this painting Mm. actually was nice like well, <laughs> and i feel uh, like well, in this culture sort of now separation it's like of, we're of, not allowed to do that of, anymore yeah that's true i i feel like you're right and i i mean also i i'm in agreement with Brynn in the sense of like something i thought about a lot is like let's say you know shia is let's assume like for the sake of the argument like oh he's a bad guy he does shitty things but i was like but he's also like a troubled guy who probably has a lot of psychological issues or trauma and whatnot. And like, if he contributes nothing else positively to society, at least he's like contributing these like great films or great pieces of art that like are socially positive versus, you know, like in terms of this person with their struggles. It's funny. You both, uh, but Bo that you mentioned Hitler, um, going to have a, no, (laughs) I just, that's uh, funny. Go ahead. What do you got? (laughs) Um, Oh, Hitler. No, but I just, uh, about that uh, scenario, I just read like a, a Mark Manson piece, so to give credit where credit's due, but he has this whole uh, as, like piece on values, right? And so often we, we focus on goal setting, like set goals, set goals, set goals. But he's like, but like, what are you aiming for? Because it's like, you know, it was awesome at setting goals, Hitler. <laughs> like he actually <laughs> was a failed musician that within 20 years time, like ran for political office and like 
create the greatest black spot in humanity that we've ever seen. But in terms of achieving his goals, like that dude was incredible, right? But his his <laughs> values were horrific, right? And correct. Yeah. Right. And it's just like that thing of um yeah. I mean uh anyway that it's I, th- funny I think eat. this episode is going to be uh deleted from our, our this is a joe rogan deletion uh experience no, i think we nobody said the r word and no one did anything <laughs> uh see but now by the time this I'm comes just out jo- joe rogan is eight months yeah, ago just, but I, uh <laughs> he's, he's eight months pregnant. but no but yeah. like uh right. no I'm, I'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> yeah right this is gonna come out and joe's gonna be like um Vice president. So, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I pre- this is what I love about film, honestly, is that it can create a conversation as layered as this is. And it could bring up these conversations of like, not only like, is this film good, but like, but there's, there's this other quality to it that can bring up maybe some in its own PTSD, if somebody has encountered domestic violence, it could bring up some, some real, some real shit on that, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I'm not afraid to have that conversation. So I appreciate that about both of you and about this, this podcast is like, we can have that conversation. Um, but also if you had to tell me or Ian, uh, what you rated this film then what? Then, 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 where do you where do you fall on that? Minus all the background bullshit, yeah. what are you rating this film? Brit, Brit, what did you rate this film? Uh, yes, minus all the bullshit uh, because that is real life and that has nothing to do with this film that we watched on a screen, uh, based solely on Honey Boy and everything within it. I gave it a nine. Wow, a nine. Yeah. You gave Honey Boy a bigger score than Peanut Butter Falcon. Yes, I did. Uh, yes, I did. I'm going to oh, go. If, interesting. Yeah, how it, come? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, because, um, and I think that I do, this is just my own personal bias, but I think I give more uh, importance, I guess, to something that I feel is like pulling off something that's really hard to do and amazing mm. acting and um these sort of harder topics to breach and i feel like as much as i was not uh i didn't love as much the like 2005 side of this film that was such a small part of it and everything else in it i thought was really strong um and as much as i loved peanut butter falcon I feel like that's kind of like, oh, it's like it's a lighter romp. And I did really love it. But like then I have to be harsher on the fact that like there's a, you know, considerable portion of that that is like feels very movie and is like not Hmm. totally believable as much as like it's not like they tried to set it up like Honey Boy feels very realistic. And it's not like peanut butter falcon was trying to set itself up as like hey guys we're taking a trip down reality lane i still felt that even within that there were some things that were kind of like come on i i did i loved both films and like am i gonna rewatch honey boy like no probably not would i recommend it absolutely but i would rewatch peanut butter falcon because it is that kind of just fun heartwarming 
thing to watch, but like that doesn't make it a better film. Well, mm. uh, Bo, yes, yes. I'm gonna just shut you up right now because I also gave Honey Boy a higher rating than the Peanut Butter Falcon, and I gave yeah, it an eight point eight. Yeah, you. Wow, eight point eight. Eight point eight. The only reason I didn't go Holy nine shit. is I, I thought the ending faded a little bit out, like kind of just kind of like mm. Mm. immemorable, like kind of like oh, that was you just like went home and like rode your motorcycle and. And I told your dad, like, I'll make a good picture about you. The ending was a little like, but I still thought it was a really powerful movie. So 8.8. So, so that's amazing. That's amazing. Good for you guys. No problem. Um, Here's how I feel. It's like, if I were to look at acting, acting in Honey Boy was uh, a 9.5. The, some of those okay those, mark it down the, mark the, it down mark 9.5 from Bo. thank you okay I love everybody you. shut the fuck out a 9.5 for the acting i would i would agree with both of your scores is like the acting was amazing but as a movie as a whole i gave this movie a 7.8 <gasps> i do think i do think peanut butter falcon was a better quote-unquote film of wow. story to acting to uh, sort of having this arc of like understanding of like from beginning to end and it made me feel something and honey boy felt more like uh, uh, maybe a therapy session that was acted really, really well. But again, 2005, that whole, that whole part kind of like pulled me back a little bit. I was like, okay, great. The little kid actor. Amazing. Shia LaBeouf in it amazing but as a movie i give it a 7.8 i do feel like there might be a bit of a theme brewing here that like if something is just like a snippet of time like bo's not totally on board like there has to be why are you judging why are you judging my 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 no i think you are you are judging my reviews you're judging my reviews i think we learned something though and and throughout doing this for well over a year now you're a little yeah. softy, Bo. You like the sweet stuff. You're a family-friendly guy. You like... Yeah. <laughs> nothing Nothing. Nothing makes me more giddy than a movie like Moonstruck. Um, you love just Moonstruck. You love you know what? Actually, the thing here is Bo is the charmingness of That's Taika Waititi. I'm Bo not is inconsistent. fucking inconsistent. I'm not, <laughs> no, I'm not. Because the things that he you loves guys, in one film, he hates in another one. So I don't fucking you, know. Okay. Don't know. All right. You love All right. All right. the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie. You love charm. <laughs> you love charm. You love. I love the secret of the grain. Yeah. I love. Uh, I love. Where is my friend's house? Oh. You know all the things that you pick. All the things you pick, Ian. You um, love the charmity. Any- <laughs> anyway, anyway, I gave it a 7.8. That's where right. I stand. I think it was acted remarkably, but I think the story as a whole was just okay. It did well, kind of wow. peter out at the end. And I feel like not comparing, we shouldn't compare, but I do think if I had to compare these two, Peanut Butter Falcon is a more enjoyable film. A more enjoyable film. Hey. And it's still well acted. Still well acted. Hmm. There's nothing wrong with that we it's it's we'll respect our differences um but agreed agree to agree shia week is concluded thank god what a what a what a mouthful what a mouthful (laughs) okay so that's that mattress man and uh 
Thank you so much for tuning in for another MCFC Movie Cinema Film Club. Ian, thanks for the great picks and the good conversation. Until next time, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Okay, so this week is my pick for movies, and so I'm going to pick one movie for you guys. Uh, and this is the big change, right? We're doing one movie this week instead of two. So relax, everybody. You only have to watch one movie from here on out. We're changing the format. This week, I'm picking the uh, 1985 drama directed by Steven Spielberg, The Color Purple. So get ready. We're going to do that. And so I hope you haven't seen it. But if you have, watch it again. Come back and let's do that. And that is my pick. Movie Cinema Film Club is brought to you by Shit Show Media. Make sure you check out all of our upcoming movies we'll be talking about on our Instagram at Movie Cinema Film Club. If you have an opinion, a comment, or a movie you think we should watch and discuss, email us at moviecinemafilmclub at gmail.com. This week's episode was written by Ian Chofe, Brittany Everett, and me, Bo Hufford, and it was edited by Brittany Everett. Remember, support your local cinema, don't spoil films, be oh so quiet at the movies, and for the love of God, choose to read subtitles and boycott film dubbing. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.